0: Welcome to the CCF podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Great to see all of you. We have uh, Logan Morris's dad here, right here this morning. Welcome, sir. Not only the father of Logan Morris, but also Luke Morris, who, sorry, Logan, but for the first two and a half years, I always instinctively thought Luke and had to correct to Logan. You are your own special person. And we're going to miss you soon. Um, Who else is leaving at semester? December, you're graduating, not going to be here. Handful of folks, man. <sighs> there are lots of options for why you may not be here in the spring. Um... Man, I do hope that uh, you guys will sign up to um, share with us at uh, Senior Night here in a couple of Wednesdays. Um, It's great to hear um, your brief testimonies of what um, you've seen, what God has done um, in you in your time here. Um, So we we do hope to hear from um, from each of you there. Uh, If you haven't been around, um, we're doing a series this semester on the crucifixion. Um, and so we've uh, had a few staff people run us through the Passion accounts in each of the Gospels. Um, Nat just finished up those Gospel accounts with John um, the last time we were here. Um, thank you, Nat. Thank you, other staff. Um, and then Reed and I have been um, just riffing on the crucifixion in um, in the other weeks, doing as we see fit, talking um, condemnation, right and left-handed power, Christus Victor. Um, so that continues and nearly ends today. This is it, actually. We're off the next two Sundays. Did Kumar announce this? It's Thanksgiving break. So um both Sundays of Thanksgiving break, we will not be in here because you should go, go, go. Um and then we'll be back um the following Sunday after that, um for oddly enough, a Christmas sermon on the crucifixion before we break for the end of the semester. So um get excited for that. That should be great. <sighs> um, you know what's not great, just sorry quickly. I wrote it on here because it looms large in my imagination in my psyche. Um, Last night, I was at my office, my glorious office, which I love, the warm glow, the late night office, um, rocking the microphones occasionally. I was sitting there, I was cranking for like two and a half hours solid on the sermon, getting into the scripture I was going to use, plotting out some stuff, sitting a lot. And uh, I was like, I should stand up so my legs don't cramp, because my legs cramp. So um, I stood up, stretching. I was going to go get a drink of water, and I turned. I'm um, toward the south window in my office and there <laughs> the little devil had been sitting over my shoulder watching me the entire time as this enormous bat. It's like this large and it's just, it's, it's like right at, this is six o'clock or something so it had just gotten dark and I'm looking and I was like, oh, it's been daytime, you've just been sleeping there, you little monster. I hate bats. I hate bats. It was just, it was hanging right there. So I was like, there were, like, girls downstairs in the kitchen cooking for Babesgiving today. And I, was, I just stood there safely in the doorway looking at it. I was like, I have a tennis racket right here for a time <laughs> such as this. And I have a lot of experience because the CCF house is a freaking bat-infested hellhole forever. It's been mostly fixed the last couple of years, so I've gotten, like, lulled into complacency. Like, oh, I feel safe I'm studying and writing a sermon in my office. I should not. I will never again. And uh, so I stood there with the tennis racket, because if, if a bat starts flying, tennis rackets are magic. It just pops it right out of the air. It's no problem. But if it's just sleeping, whatever it's doing, fake sleeping there on the wall waiting to kill you, it, and it was, like, not flat on the wall because I could visualize, like, okay, I'll knock it down off the wall, and then I'll have the tennis racket on top of it, and then I'll just stand there and scream for somebody to come upstairs or something. But it it was, like, on this uneven part where, like, I knew it wouldn't be a clean sweep, so I just stood there visualizing, like, how, how could this go? I can't... Do I... Uh, um, finally, like 10 minutes later, I, called, I sent a picture of it to Reed, and um, he called me back. I waited till he called me back. I just stood there with the tennis racket in my hand. And um, I don't know if you know this, but Reed is um, a master bat. I won't say slayer. I'll say capturer, just in case. And uh, he, he had an infestation at his house. He's, he's now, he's, I, don't, it's not, I don't understand. It's not human. Reed just walks in, walks up the stairs, puts his work gloves on, little plastic bag, could have a hole anywhere in it, who knows? Just a little plastic bag, like a dog poop bag, bag turned inside out on his hand. Walks over there, he's like, oh, it's a little too high. Oop. Chair, <laughs> just grabs it like a freaking Maniac! Like in the hallway with the with the tennis racket, and he's like, "Ooh, he's kind of awake." And I was like, ah, How do you know it's not gonna burrow through your glove?" And he just goes, "Do do do," and then takes it. And I don't know; he probably has like a collection or something. But I um, mean, took it away. I'm I'm sorry. It's it's uh, I couldn't. <sighs> I had to pack up my stuff and leave. I did the rest of my sermon at home. I just I couldn't take it sitting there, my backs to everything where the bats always are. Let's take a deep breath and relax, can we? I'm very unrelaxed. You know what is not soothing? um, A crucifixion. Let's hear this uh, scripture right here. It's from Philippians 2. It's our text for the morning. Um, It's the first chunk, and it goes like this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Um, the first part of the chapter from Philippians 2, often referred to as um, an early hymn. It, it has a hymnic quality to it, um, this this praise of Jesus. Um, but really, p- um, pointing us to a, a picture of, of the cross, and um, an explanation of Uh, what happened at the cross, what God was doing, um, what the cross means. Um, So this is going to be our text for this morning, Um, and uh, really I have one simple thing um, to offer for us here this morning as we consider um, the the meaning of of the cross, like what is Jesus' crucifixion, Uh, what did it accomplish, what was it about, Um, what does it mean for us now, what are the implications of uh, the fact that God became human, and when God became human, um ended up being murdered by by the people that he loved um and I have a, a very uh, simple p- potentially controversial claim for us this morning um that is uh, at least the cross means uh, peace not controversial yet right raise your hand any controversy feel good um the cross at least uh, means peace that's what that's what's happening um, when Jesus is on the cross and um, the sermon um, has a title. Actually, it's called "Trampling Over Death by Death, Peace Through Nonviolence via the Cross." And so, the second part um, that I want to submit to you this morning is that um, the cross means peace, um, and at the least, again, um, for us as Christians, for us as people of the way of the cross, um, that peace cannot mean less than nonviolence. Um, it means more, certainly, uh, but it cannot mean less than nonviolence. Uh, and and this is. Um, actually, it's, it's not like a peripheral kind of if you have the time to get into it, look into the history of um, nonviolence. But really, um, the, the scriptures, this, this Philippians 2 passage, certainly um, what the gospel writers are doing, um, all manner of reflection um, on the cross, uh, everything in Revelation is just an extended look at, um, hey, remember when, uh, when God let himself be murdered? Uh, wh- what does that mean for us? Well, at the, at the very least, um, it means that for us, violence is not an option. As, as we live, um, as people who follow um, a murdered Messiah, at, at the very least, um, violence is, is not the answer. It's not an option. Um, and so what do we do instead? We have thousands of years of uh, church history and struggling to try to live as the body of Christ on earth um, to figure that out and to screw it up in all kinds of ways. And um, life is really hard, um, even life... Uh, as Christians in the church who are committed to this story. Uh, but here is uh, my contention this morning. Uh, the cross means definitely not less than uh, that there is peace with us and God, that there is peace um, with us and each other um, through nonviolence. <coughs> um, some of you may uh, be familiar with the term pacifism. So uh, a pacifist, I'm someone who usually like objects to war, uh, but in a, a broader sense, is um, for nonviolence, perhaps. And um, there's a there's a problem with um, this idea of of pacifism that you you might get um, from reading the things about Jesus and hearing um, him as a, a lamb led to the slaughter, and seeing Jesus as um, a weak. He's described as a weak, not a, not a person um, flying in on chariots, as our psalm talked about, uh, but trusting in the power of God to accomplish what. Um, Jesus set out to accomplish. Um, and, so, and so you may think of uh, pacifism, of nonviolence as being um, passive, essentially trying to avoid conflict, laying low, um, letting things play out as they might, but not uh, joining the fray and certainly not um, using any kind of force. And um, the more over the last uh, five or ten years as I've um, read, like some um, peace theologians and uh, really there was a whole crew of CCFers, I don't know, ten years ago. Um, a lot of them are like Mennonite, Anabaptisty now. And I used to have lots of conversations with these guys. Um, this was back uh, when I was much more skeptical and would have um, heard this as a much more controversial kind of thing. Um, I, who was this close to joining the army instead of going to college, and uh, I, who love a good fight when the time is right and all of that. Um, but I used to have conversations with, um, with these guys a lot, and I've, I've just reflected on those and kept up with them and um, read more and more and, and actually just... Uh, the more I learn about um, church history and theology, the the deeper I dig into scripture and, and uh, especially scripture in context. Like what are the authors talking about here to these Christians who are in this Roman imperial system? Or in the Old Testament when we did Exodus and we have this contrast between imperial Egypt and God's people and what's the nature of um, those competing kingdoms. Um, just uh, as I've, I've preached here and dug into the scriptures with you over the last decade or so, um, it's it's just become glaringly obvious to me um, that uh, the cross means peace through nonviolence. And that's been God's uh, idea from the beginning. It's been God's hope when we talk about um, God's kingdom and the nature of it. Um, all the descriptions, all the pointers toward it are um, things like peace and love, um, humility, mutual respect, um, flourishing, all this kind of uh, good and healthy stuff that God wants. Um, and in um, this world, still slightly beset um, by sin and death, where evil still uh, is, is clutching and clawing, um, even though it's been defeated and it's on the way out, uh, but here in this meantime, um, that, that's never easy. That, that's not um, easy, that, that nonviolent way, and it's not just um, that we live uh, full and free with um, all of our questions answered um, in Jesus' way now, uh, but it has become glaringly obvious to me um, that, that what the cross of Christ means, um, the, the, the central point of our faith, uh, wh- wh- what it means is um, certainly peace. And, and we, um, as people who have joined with Christ uh, through his cross, we, we've been united with him um, in his death, in his, his willingness to lay down his own life. Um, we who have been joined with him, uh, we, we, we now live and die like him and we follow um, in his way um which is just very clearly um the, the way of peace through nonviolence um, but it, but but that's not um simple passivity uh on on the contrary one of the the guys I've been reading Walter Wink wrote a lot in the 80s and 90s about this and um he, he says um the options are not violence force that kind of thing uh and pa- passivity Th- those are not the options um, actually the the third way of Jesus he has a whole book on this. The third way of Jesus is militant nonviolence. Um, he, he says that uh, for us as Christians, um, following in the way of Jesus, who, who stood up um, to oppressive powers, who stood up to um, the ways of evil and violence and bitterness and, um, and, and said things like love your enemies, um, not cower and hide from them, um, but love them. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn your other cheek. Someone sues you for this, give him even more than that. There is a, um, uh, Walter Wink says, uh, the, the point of, of nonviolence for Jesus in the larger scope of what God's hoping to accomplish um, is that it, it preserves and it maintains the possibility um, for both parties or all parties involved um, to, re- to retain their full humanity. Um, th- this is what God is after. So the peace that came through the, cri- through the cross um, that allows us to have peace with God, and that gives us the possibility of having peace with other people. Um, it, it's not passive, and it doesn't come easily. It actually it requires this kind of a uh, real subversive strength, and so it's militant nonviolence um, that Jesus is is prescribing, and is the way of the slaughtered lamb that we are um, following after. And I've I've um, I've seen this I've seen this play out. Um, Violence, just the threat of force, is kind of, it's kind of just like a lazy or, or an easy option um, that really just shrinks the possibilities for uh, the kind of good that can happen, like the shalom that God envisions um, doesn't ever come through that. Um, it comes through intense struggle and, and really difficult decisions and, and truth-telling and face-to-face encounters and incredible discipline and sacrifice. So it's, it's not just passivity. It's not staying out of the fray. Uh, but 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 violence, resorting to violence, and especially then justifying why, of course, we're, like, we need to be violent, even in self-defense, even in whatever. Um, d- doing that is, is really, it's, it's kind of a cop-out. It, it, it short-circuits. Uh, it, it cuts off our possibilities um, for imagining what is it that God sees in this situation, and what is it that God wants, and how is it that God wants to get there? And so if we instead um, are people so thoroughly immersed um, in the story of the scripture and in the way of the slaughtered lamb, um, that that's the story that we tell ourselves and that we live in and that we participate in every single week when we take Jesus' broken body, and Jesus poured out blood. Uh, we don't we don't take shotgun shells and steroids. We, we we're joining with Jesus in his 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 brokenness, um, in in his suffering. Um, if if we um are people thoroughly immersed in that story, um, committed. Um, to working with God in, in whatever difficult kinds of um, truth telling um, and stand upping kinds of ways that God wants um, th- then uh, we, we'll be joining with jesus um, in in the way that he walked. You can think about Jesus um, uh, confronting Pilate, being confronted by Pilate I mean he doesn't duck out of it. Um, jesus actually stands and and Pilate, the symbol here of uh, the Roman Empire and the religious establishment, the symbol uh, of uh, those who have power and are able um, through their force to enact violence to keep you in line and to tell you this is the way things work and these are the only possibilities. Um, Jesus actually he stands face to face with that um, and he looks him in the eye. He says, "You don't have power over me." D- look it up; it's in your Bibles. J- Jesus tells, "He's like you don't you don't have power over me. You you don't understand um, what's going on here. Um, my kingdom, because I am a king. You say I'm a king. You seem a little scared." It feels to you as if I am a king. Got no swords. Got, got no army. Um, I have people uh, who are militantly nonviolent. They're getting there. Peter just cut off a guy's ear, but they're, they're getting there. Jesus put away the sword. Jesus healed him. Jesus said, Nah, that's not it. You're getting confused. It's not how it works. You live by the sword, you die by the sword, Peter. Um, Jesus stands there in that encounter with Pilate, uh, and, and this is this is what Revelation shows us over and over again. Um, the powers that be, the powers and principalities of the world, the kingdom of the world, when they are um, faced with that kind of uh, courage, that kind of real power that's going to come um, at a real cost, at a real danger. It's even scarier than a bat hanging over your shoulder for three hours. But when, when, when you um, stand there and face that and are committed to um, this is the way of the slaughtered lamb, and I don't have all the answers, and I can't predict how everything is going to go here, uh, but the story of the world as I understand it, um is that life only comes through death and and i don't get to be the one um who decides who dies and when i don't get to be the one to lord it over other people um if our kingdom is going to spread and, and take over the world um it's going to be like yeast through a, a lump of dip dough um so when jesus stands there um the powers that be are they're unmasked it's it's apocalyptic like jesus and then his followers and and we by extension are able to see in uh, and, and we're able to imagine new kinds of possibilities. Oh, maybe the healing of the sick and the restitution of the poor. Maybe the forgiveness of uh, people at odds. Um, m- maybe that can actually come uh, in this way. Like, Jesus, when he dies, um, brings peace with God and the possibility of peace with others. Uh, but only if if we walk um, in his way of peace. We We don't get to have machine gun crosses and take communion and imagine that we're, we're following a slaughtered lamb. Have you seen this, by the way? There's, like, a picture of Jesus with the cross, and then it, like, turns into a machine gun. Anybody seen this? I should have. You, you can do it up there. <coughs> uh, so the peace that comes through nonviolence is not um, passive. It's actually true power. Um, and then w- when you think about the other um, scriptural stories and motifs that you know, Uh, talking, again, Revelation, thinking um, all throughout the Old Testament, uh, especially in the life of Jesus, the life and death of Jesus, um, things just start to fall in place in a way that makes it hard to conceive of the cross of Christ, meaning less than peace through nonviolence. And um, there are a trillion hypothetical situations and objections. and, And what am I saying, that all of your military family members are automatically evil, and this is just an no, of cu- of course not. I'm not an idiot. I'm not saying that. Let's just put it there. Uh, my my National Guard Special Forces brother is the the best person on earth that I know. Okay, uh, I, I'm not. There are literally thousands of objections that I hear and that I understand and that I also like. Uh, uh, I, d- I don't know how to answer and that I, that I wrestle with and whatever. Uh, my my point is um, that those kinds of peripheral, um, hypothetical uh, examples and fears or whatever, um, when they're, they're put next to uh, the, the center of gravity, when they're put next to um, the total picture, that if we just remind ourselves, like, what is the story that we live according to? Oh, right, good news. The gospel is um, Jesus suffered and died, and in that, bam, real life for us, for the world, for everything. Peace with God, peace with others. W- w- if we if we are uh, more fully saturated, uh, like to our bones, I- in our hearts, in the way that we think about um, how we interact with others, small scale, bigger scale, as a community, as a nation, it gets impossibly difficult. Uh, but if, if we, as people um, following in the way of the slaughtered lamb, um, if we say, this is the thing we start with, and the thing that we know, and the thing that contains 95% of all the truth and beauty and power... Um, and it's, it's work and it's discipline for us to militantly live into that way, absolutely. Uh, but, but its power um, is shown in, in the goodness that results. Like the, the body of Christ um, is intended to be uh, a shining example uh, of, of the way that the way of Jesus uh, takes root and comes to life in the world. And there's a line in Revelation that's haunted me forever <clears throat> in a good way. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Um, that, that pronouncement, um, that the, the world that we knew, um, the kingdom with its uh, power plays and imperial threats and violence and all of that, uh, that, that we live in, absolutely, we live in that world. But guess what? Um, that kingdom uh, at the cross has given way to the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Here he is. Here's, here's um, the way that he is enthroned. You probably can't see this. It would have been better up there. But I really wanted to bring um, this uh, is, a, is a woodcut. There's a slaughtered lamb. He's spurting blood pretty cleanly into a little communion cup here. Uh, all of the, the elders and all of the world and everything is down here. Um, and, and this um, is where our eye is drawn uh, because this I- is the heart of things inside all our strugglings to figure out, well, what would it mean if somebody broke into my house and blah, 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 well, what would it mean if our enemies, blah, 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 blah. All of that, we gotta work with it. Lock your doors, I guess. We didn't for a long time, and then a guy across the street literally got his arms hacked off, and Ted was like, we're locking the doors now. Okay, but, um, we locked the doors. Uh, At, at, at the heart, um, the, the the power, the thing that, the thing that, no, sorry, there's no safety chain here, and I'm very nervous that this is going to fall. I had a dream last night. I just realized it was about this easel. Son and I were somewhere outside carrying like a 30-foot version of that, like up these stairs, and it wasn't working. Thanks for your help, son. <coughs> uh, my point is that, that our imaginations um, are, are unnecessarily limited and have been co-opted um, if, uh, if, if those objections overrule um, the, the weight of our central story the gospel message. Um, it, it's there in communion every week. It's there in our baptisms. We are sacrificing ourselves. We're going down to join Jesus in his death um, that we might rise with him. And, and when we do that, Jesus doesn't arm us with all these tools of um, power and force and coercion. Um, Jesus says, the only way that you're going to live and do it with me um, and do it in the world in the way that God envisions, the only way they you're going to do that is by willingly laying down your life dying and having your life given back to you by God. We we can't go through that and then carry on the rest of our lives as if that didn't happen. Again, back to our machine gun crosses. The cross means um, not less than peace through nonviolence. <coughs> it is true that the kingdom of the world um, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ and that he shall reign forever and ever. Uh, in In that moment, um, evil, and sin, and death, those things were swallowed up. Um, think our, our Philippians passage, uh, because Jesus willingly laid down his life, um, therefore God highly exalted him. Uh, and, and so if, if we will um, look at the cross and and understand that what happened there was that the old world, um, it, it passed away. Um, God dealt with our central problem, which is sin and death. And God dealt with it um, not by rolling in tanks and crushing it, um, but by submitting to it. And paradoxically, mysteriously, in submitting to it and being killed by death, um, d- death is then swallowed up. Sin lost its power. Death lost its sting. And, and that's, um, it's not obvious that that would be the case. Um, we, we, we feel that out by living that out. We prove it by um, joining with Jesus and then going on to live it. Uh, and and you've i i hope that you've seen that um in your brothers and sisters uh in the the history of the church in the the present instantiation of the church in your own life um there there are a whole bunch of other ways a whole bunch of other stories um about redemptive violence there're a whole bunch of other stories about how much power you need in order to enact what you want um and then there's this story which is really a weird story Th- this gospel message is is, is really strange actually and and maybe we need to recover a little bit of that peculiarity. It's really hard to be a Christian when when you live in a global superpower. It, it it just is. And so our our imaginations have been co-opted, and, and what I'm asking for is, is can we um look again? Um and can we allow the weight of a murdered messiah? Um, can we let that carry us through um to consider these other objections and problems and what do we do with national policy and how do we handle this and that? um can we do that rather than the other way around um where th- where this just gets totally squeezed out <coughs> <sighs> um there are a whole host of other um things that could be talked about uh i i would love actually um, for some some future engagement, um, I'm, I'm sure there's some people sitting here. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds stupid, and that's um great. And I would love to talk to you. And there's some people who are like, yeah, th- I've always suspected there's like something off about how can I both be a Christian who walks in the way of the murdered Messiah and think that it's okay for me to kill someone. Um, I I would love to um uh, put some books in your hand. Actually, I did this as a an intern time last spring with the CCF interns and a couple of the staff, and uh, like I, I just wonder, like you guys sitting here, you're 20 year olds, educated, whatever. You're not 55 year old grandpas who like feel this in a different way, like f- with good reason. They lived through world wars, like they know things that I don't know. Um, but I actually, I wonder, like for you guys sitting here, is your is your thought actually like? Yeah, I've never been like a flag waving, let's go America, bomb the world kind of person, so I guess I'm like I'm probably cool, right? <coughs> um I I would love to talk to you also because I there's a there's an overly emo cool way of being non-patriotic that's like that's actually a problem too and you you don't understand what you're talking about. Um patriotism is good in the way that you can love your country just like you love your family and like is there a point at which that becomes a problem, like, yeah. If your family is like parking tanks outside the neighbor's house just in case, just to make sure, like that might be your love of your family, maybe a little uh, overdone. Um, anyway, I would I would love to talk to you more. Um, please um, come to sermon discussion. Email me. Find me after service. Uh, I have a, a packet of stuff with like some scriptures and some um, other readings. Um, I yeah, I would I would love to talk to you more. <coughs> um, but to cap off today um would you stand with me this is weird but it's it's really not weird i'm going to ask you voluntarily if you want to if you want to put your hand over your heart because what what we're reading here this this scripture um is essentially like our pledge of allegiance to uh christ who died on a cross so if if you would like to put your hand over your heart um Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Why? Not out of nowhere, not just because you're um, super good people. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You've gotten his mind, you were baptized into him. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, that cosmic power, a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God became human, and when God became human, he was murdered. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, over every other name, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He rules the world. Uh, The kingdom of the old world is gone, and it's become the kingdom of this Lord, our Christ. He shall reign forever and ever to the glory of God the Father. Amen.